You fellas been doing a bit of boozing, have you? Sucking back on Grandpa's old cough medicine? No. Oh, no, sir. Oh, no. No. Uh-uh. Yeah. Well, what's that? That's nothing, sir. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Well, uh, you aware that uh, it's against the law to have an open alcohol container here in the state of Pennsylvania? Come on, give me that booze, you little pumpkin pie haircutted freak. Come on. You're listening to the DCBeer.com podcast. Hello again, and welcome back into the DCBeer.com podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Bill DeBon. It's good to see everybody. And, of course, by DC Beer co-editor Chris Van Horn. Hey, everyone. So, today, we are going to talk about the best brewery in the District of Columbia and beyond. Oh, God. It's going to be a fun one. So, um, <laughs> what are we drinking today? Well, we're drinking a beer from Blue Jacket in Navy Yard, and we're drinking Lost Weekend, which is actually one of Bill's favorite beers in the District of Columbia. I'll let him explain why. Let me let me get this started. Let me just lay a stake in the ground <laughs> right now on this. Lost Weekend, for me, is the best beer brewed in D.C. Bar none, period. Full stop. Best beer. The best beer. It is. Really? I wake up thinking about this beer <laughs> probably two or three times a, a week when I see on Twitter that it, you know, is is back on tap, or that when I hear through the grapevine that it's gotten gone off tap. I get very upset. I think this is just really phenomenal. If you don't know what it is, it's an all citra IPA, and if you're rolling your eyes saying, "Oh, great, another IPA fanatic," you know, I understand where that comes from. But this is much more in the in the kind of the the nerdy subgenre of like the Vermont IPA. This has that real soft bitterness, that kind of white peach and and really ripe nectarine note to it. It's not overly bitter. It's just really, really fruity. It reminds me of the best kind of like summer day. I, this is mm-hmm. just absolutely wonderful for me. Yeah, fuzzy peaches candies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Chris, you really like this beer as well? Yeah. No, 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 it's good. <laughs> no, it's great. I I also I'm I'm not. A big hop guy, bitter things, just not never been my my game. And every once in a while, I I crave a little bit, but um, you know, I'm kind of a one and done when it comes to the big imperial stuff or the super dank character. Just not not for me. But this this thing, it's becoming its almost its own thing. It's hard to, it, calling it an IPA doesn't do justice to the beer or even the subgenre. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if in another year or two we start calling it a got a VPA or VPA NEPA New England PA I mean there's there's got to be there's going to be something else because it is a different creature and I, I really prefer this much to the crazy dry dank west coast stuff so it is good um, I love this beer um, I think it's very delicious and Bill and I differ somewhat I've had this beer on cask is how I actually prefer to drink this beer and Bill actually prefers to drink it with a little bit more carbonation in it. That said, I think it's a fine display. And again, I'll echo Chris. I'm not a hophead. The <laughs> I'll drink too hard it all day, but the last thing you'll see me drinking is kind of Pala Wrecker and mm-hmm. a lot of Imperial IPAs. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to drink more IPAs. <laughs> 
Because you know said, that segment is hurting so badly. We really yeah. do need I, you to get on board I, so I, you can prop really, it up. I really need to give uh, that style more of my yeah. money. For it's sure. May go extinct. Yeah. That support. In 70, <laughs> 80 years. Um, but that said, I do agree it's a um, kind of got soft corners, if you will, right? Uh, where a lot of incredible single hop beers on the market are very focused. Um, this one is really well done, and uh, it's great. Speaking of which, uh, if you read the beer news, uh, you will have seen that Blue Jacket has been named Best Brewery of the Year by some bloke in the Washington City paper, uh, and that would be me. So I'm going to derive a little bit from my usual routine and allow Chris and Bill, who have plenty of questions for me, I'm sure, to direct the conversation here about why Blue Jacket is the best brewery of the year. So, you know, we're in a position now, let's look at scene-wide before we focus Mm -hmm. in on Blue Jacket, right? Scene-wide, I would say that we're very fortunate that we had a, a number of breweries just in D.C. proper, but also looking into into surrounding Maryland and Virginia that would have been eligible for this, right? Mm-hmm. This is not like we have one great brewery and a bunch of middling things where this brewery is going to win it year after year, which I think we have to be, count ourselves fortunate mm-hmm. to put ourselves in that yeah, position, absolutely. right? So, you know, with that said, we had breweries come on that were new in the past year, and we had some breweries come on that added some new beers in the past year. So when you were looking for best brewery, what kind of criteria were you really using? Right, so I looked at two things, um, and this is always an interesting exercise for me every year. I did it last year, three stars won uh, in 2013. And this year, what I did was actually look at a couple things. One was really the kind of beers that I wanted to have in my fridge all the time. Highly replicable beers that were, and it doesn't, I mean, I drink quite a bit of beer, so that's not <laughs> exclusive, right? It's not, I'm not talking about 4% beers all the time, right? And I looked around and really used that as a first criteria. So we're talking about beers that I really enjoyed this year that I would want to drink consistently. So we're talking about Atlas District Comet, I think, is a fantastic beer. Mm-hmm. Mad Fox Orange Whip is always a fantastic beer. Port City Essential Pale Ale is always a fantastic beer, among others. So that was the first kind of narrow down. And then I actually looked at those beers, and if anybody knows me, I'm very quantitative with this. I try to actually look at the beers that uh, in that subset that I liked the best, right? What was the best beer? Because when we're talking about best brewery, I think you know there are several criteria to go through, but I think the first and foremost criteria of that is who made the best beer mm-hmm. this year. And I really think Blue Jacket made the best beer. Like you're talking about Forbidden Planet, which uh, is a fantastic dry hopped Kolsch. We'll talk about the style a little bit later. <laughs> Lost Weekend, which we're drinking today, which is, um, as I said earlier, an IPA for people who don't love IPAs. And particularly, you're talking about their sour beers. Um, I think Twit was a fantastic beer this year, a really thirst-quenching kind of summer with lacto and, and wit beer base. I mean, even the Gene Turns 10K, uh, which 11K, was, uh, 10K, 11K, 11K, 10K, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. And, and you know, I really think across the board, you're talking about a brewery that really had increased focus this year uh, and really found 
a center to themselves mm -hmm. that appeals to the widest range of audience possible. So it's both about the breadth of the op offerings and the highest points. I mean, obviously Blue Jacket does many styles and does many styles well, but they are definitely benefited by having 20 beers on at all time. Right. And they just put out a huge array of beers. What, what do you think is the the role of you know the 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 type of brewery that you run i mean it's just it's definitely the the case that production breweries have a harder time doing that many styles well sure one one point i'll make is i don't think any production brewery that has been established in dc um excluding the ones that are just getting started really has a problem making x number of beers right mm -hmm. I, I, you know i've talked with Brow, I've talked with three stars, and you know those two breweries are making you know thirty beers a year on a production basis. Um, so this concept that you know Blue Jacket is making more beer than their competitors, sure, maybe they're making more stylistically mm -hmm. different beers, but it's not like anybody else in the district is not making a ton of beers, mm -hmm. right? I think the other point on that is they've definitely made. Um, we're talking about a brewery that really is, it's been around for let's be honest like 16 months mm -hmm. right um, they opened in October of 2013 had a kind of two month run up um, and now they're really settling into this really nice groove of making these kind of quote unquote flagship beers that everyone else you know every, every brewery has flagships whether they want to admit it or not hmm. they're making these beers that are incredibly good that draw people in at the same time, they're continuing with this kind of like beer laboratory thing where they're making crazy styles and getting people interested in open fermentation. They're getting people interested in um, styles like barley wine and smoked beers that really they're not really, you know, used to drinking. So mm -hmm. for me, that was one of the guiding choices that I dived in with. Let's talk for a second about, you know, when you were talking about your criteria, you, said you were talking about beers that you would like to have like in your fridge, right? So talk a little bit about this idea. I mean, you're, you're, you're a very informed beer consumer, right? But you're one beer consumer. And you're making kind of this call on behalf of the city paper, right? So how, how, do, you, how do you make this dichotomy between, like, your kind of really informed opinion and this kind of, like, populist idea? Absolutely. So the way I thought about it was... I think initially when people went into Blue Jacket, they were very impressed with the scope, right? Mm -hmm. Whether or not you drank a lot of beer or not, I think it was very impressive to say, wow, here's this place that serves 20 beers on draft, five beers on a cask, mm -hmm. um, that's consistently kind of changing out beers. And initially, I think a lot of people were turned off by that, both in the kind of beer consumer category and also the novice community especially. You come into a bar and you say, I have no idea what to order, I really don't know what's happening here, I kind of, I'm here for a baseball game, I'm kind of just curious as to what I should get. I'm just trying to see Billy Joel, man. I, I just, like, I just, I just want a beer, <laughs> man. I just want a beer. The real kind of point in the article that I made, uh, which is uh, why I picked them, is that in the span of 12 months, the brewery has really found its replicable center, right? In that there are now, every time you go into Blue Jacket, there are five beers on all the time. 
that you can get all the time. There's Forbidden Planet. There's Lost Weekend. There are Mex- Mexican Radio. Yeah, Mexican radio. Um, there are a couple of um, you know Wild Ales. There there are beers on all the time that basically say to someone, just like when we go to Church Key, two hearts on all the time, mm-hmm. right? You can go into Church Key, and even though there's, you know, hundreds of beers available on draft and, and bottle, right? That would be very intimidating to someone who, like, has that book slammed in front of them and says, like, go for it. I can go into Church Key anytime and order a Two-Hearted mm-hmm. or a Prima Pills. Or Brooklyn Lager. Or Brooklyn Lager. Yeah, right, sure. And say, I uh, feel comfortable here. Yeah. I feel great. That's kind of happened now with Blue Jacket, where I can go in. Even someone who's very familiar with beer and, and drinks a lot of beer can go in and say I can order a Lost Weekend and feel very comfortable if I want to experiment mm-hmm. at least I know I can come back to that beer right so regardless like they've kind of like incredibly lowered the barrier to entry without sacrificing any of the experimentation so that to me was an incredibly compelling mm-hmm. component especially at such a young age for a brewery to really say we're going to have these, you know, it's either like one or the other, I think, a lot of times, right? We're going to have three flagships, and we're going to sell the hell out of those flagships, mm-hmm. or we're going to have, tw- like, we're going to do the Hill Farmstead thing and have 30 beers, yeah. right, and sell them in incredibly limited quantity so that only, like, the most hard-nosed beer experts will ever get yeah. them. And trust us, like, trust you know, whatever, I mean, whatever we're going to do, you're going to like it. Absolutely. So, like, that line is actually very thin, and to walk that line, I think, is very impressive. So what do you think about, I mean, I'm a big fan of Blue Jacket. I, I spent a lot of time there in the past year. And in a lot of ways, I agree with you uh, in terms of your, your brewery choice. But in other ways, you know, they have put out a lot of beers. I just checked on Rate Beer in, during your, your last, you know, <laughs> in here. They have four pages of beers in their first 16 months. Sure. And within those, there have been a fair amount of missteps. Sure. I mean, there have been beers there that, if n- not necessarily flawed, I mean, not not things where there's diastole or acetaldehyde or whatever mm-hmm. contained therein, mm-hmm. but just aren't very tasty beers in general mm-hmm. right and, and I'm, I'm trying I'm saying that as someone controlling sure. for my own preferences right I'm, sure. I'm never gonna like a double as much as I would a saison or or uh, a lost weekend right so how do you is, is this more a the, the bright spots on for blue jacket outshine the missteps or like how do you factor in kind of the beers that, that come in that were, were duds? I think it's a really good question. I think what I would characterize it as is that they are in a different space, right, where they can experiment. And I think the whole point of the brewery, um, if you talk to anyone that's involved and has been involved in that in the last 10 years, I mean, like, Mm -hmm. the kind of vision for this brewery is that they're not a standard production brewery, right, where... They actually say, if a beer doesn't work, that's fine. Mm-hmm. We want to experiment with that beer because you never really know. I think if you ask Greg, I, I talked to Greg for a long time, Greg Engert, um, who's the you know, basically the director for all of Neighborhood Restaurant Group, which includes uh, uh, Blue Jacket, and this is kind of his baby. He says basically, you know, to try and predict what people are gonna like is basically impossible. Mm-hmm. And so to base your brewery on that, mm-hmm. well, I mean, it, it is, right? Especially with a thing like Rape Beer, which, you know, no offense to Rape sure. Beer, 
I'm a person who doesn't like IPAs, so I'm going to come in and order an IPA and be like, this IPA sucks, you know? Yeah. Okay. You, sure. But you don't like IPAs. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm a person that uh, only drinks Kolsch uh, when it's 90 degrees outside. I, I, I think, not to cut you off on this, no, but no, I, no, what, no, what no, I would no, rebut no. on that is, I think it is easy to predict what people mm. like. I think it is very easy to predict what people will drink, right? So. Um, if... Greg has talked about this before about Church Key and about setting any of his drafts, his draft menus, right? He could set a draft list with 40 IPAs, five saisons, and five lagers, and people would drink the hell out of all of them. Yeah, right? they would. But but, but to Blue Jackets, but to Blue Jackets credit in this case, they're producing styles that are not going to sell well. Mm-hmm. That they're they're making like Belgian browns and like beers that are inspired by Jamaican jerk, and I mean. I don't think it's that hard to figure out what sells in today's market. Right. Well, actually, a question so that I would pose to you is, would you like Blue Jacket better if they just focused on 10 beers? I would like Blue Jacket better if people would stop going there all the time and I, <laughs> and I didn't have to fight through crowds. That's an excellent duck. <laughs> no, but I, I think it's... Uh... I think, I, think you could, I think you could trim some of that list. I think there have been beers in the, in the past year mm-hmm. that we... That, we haven't seen again, and we might not, and we might not see again. Things like Clown Car or Lost in Space, or um, I don't know that we'll see Twit again. Yeah, um, I liked Moby Grape. Moby Grape was really good. That was a sour here's, brown. Here's here's the thing though, is that this brewery, right? Mm-hmm. It's a totally different model, and you're not talking about a brewery that is going to say, we're only gonna make. 10 beers because we know that they're successful, right? right. Sure. Uh, which, you know, a lot of breweries do in America, not just in D.C. They're going to make beers that they maybe even know will fail. I think they deserve credit for that in a lot of ways. Okay. I mean, the best brewery is not necessarily like, your brewery is the most financially successful brewery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or has never made a beer that wasn't Right. Well, that's if, one way of looking at it philosophically. Right. I mean, if we're talking well, about sure. different perspectives about this, that's that right. is certainly one way of looking Absolutely. at it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because yeah. there, I mean, if we're if the, the what the best brewery was was every single beer that they've made this year, I enjoyed. The answer would be different. But I mean, part of that is the is the model. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they are a brew pub. They get to be the ones who serve the beer. They get to curate. Let's, you know, let's, they, not, let's talk about that. In the same vein as like Dogfish Brew Pub or mm. or Shorts, I mean, they uh-huh. they kind of fall into this model of. Yeah. But here's the thing: I don't agree with that. Okay. I don't think they are a brew pub. Well, well I think they, they are right they now. Get, they get to serve the ah. beer. They get to curate the majority of the drinking experiences of their own beer, which I think that other places don't. Yeah. So I mean, beers like they're making some beers that if a brewery put that out the door and it went on a shelf. It may be uh, it's hard for people to wrap their heads around. I mean, that I don't want to bring up the Kolsch thing already, but if somebody put a beer on a shelf that said Kolsch and it wound up tasting like Blue Jackets, uh, that might not be as big a hit as saying, you know, going to be able there and drink it and working through it. Before we get into the Kolsch Okay, thing, sorry. <laughs> is it a brew pub because they don't distribute off-premise? Yes. I think, I mean, whether or not that's what the definition of it is, I think that's what affords them the ability to do what they do. If you're going to bring up the bottle sales thing, I don't buy that. So let me head you off with a pass on that. I'm not. Good. Okay. But my question is, would you consider that to be different than a production brewery? Yes. 
So you think there should be two different categories? Ooh. <laughs> is District Chop House a brewery or a brew pub? Is Franklin's a brewery or a brew pub? They're both brew pubs. But, so Frank, but Franklin distributes. But Franklin's distributes off premise. But we're, but we're talking about the we're talking about the percentage of sales. Right. That has nothing to do. With it, it does have something to do with it. And the no. reason why it has something to do with it is that Blue Jacket and the Chop House and Franklin's, when those beers get sold, they have someone who is trained to be a cheerleader about the virtue of those beers. Those beers don't have to sell themselves on a shelf next to Oscar Blues. Uh, Bells, Founders, everything else. So some of this oddball stuff that Blue Jacket and right. Franklin's and everyone else does, the staff, that's a very different experience for the consumers. But So you're telling me that breweries don't have cheerleaders for their product? They don't have cheerleaders to, this, to the same percentage of interactions with their consumers. Uh, yes, yeah, the, the, face, the but, face-to-face interactions as you're drinking it. Like, the person who's pouring you the beer is curating it and saying, like, now, you know, glug, 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 here's this may not taste like your typical this. I mean, this is an IPA. Don't expect dank. I think that, like, that... I mean, like, not to say that that's at all a cheat or anything. I think that's a perfectly legitimate model, and it's... I agree. It's worked, I'm not but, trying to. I'm not trying to undercut yeah. Blue Jacket for that reason, but I've been talked into beers at Blue Jacket because I had someone there to say... I don't know, a jerk-inspired beer is kind of... That's, that's ridiculous. I would never buy that on the shelf, but if someone is like, you know what? I thought it was going to be bullshit... But it actually came out pretty balanced. All right, well, let me get a point of that. That's, so, that's all we're going to get if you're a production brewery. That's fine, but so what's the difference between that and a rep that you see from a production brewery telling you you should drink this beer because of X, Y, Z? I don't see a rep every time I go to a beer and order that, that rep's brewery. Every time I go to Blue Jacket, I talk to a bartender and I ask them about the beer. Every time I go to a so, bar and I, and I order something from Schlafly, there isn't a Schlafly rep there to tell me about and it. And there's their own – even if you don't talk to somebody – their copy is the one that you're reading. If you're if you're going to any number, I mean, Lost and Found, great bar, great curated stuff. It says the beer, the style, where it's from. There's not that curation involved. So why is that a bad thing? It's not it's a bad not, thing. It's just a different thing. Yeah, I think I think I'm that's, not saying it's a negative. I, th- I think that it partly explains why Blue Jacket has been able to do what it's been able to do. Mm-hmm. Is that you know, I mean, we're we're here. We're not the common beer consumer, but. It's a hard sell to get people to drink an Oud Brun because, like, it's a brown beer. It looks like what this. What the fuck does Oud Brun even yeah. mean to the comic consumer? I, I agree with that. I, and actually, I, I talked to Greg about this. Um, I think that one of the things that they're doing is that they... I don't think... The, and to be fair, I don't think they've actually represented themselves as doing anything differently since they opened. Is that they are this kind of beer laboratory, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where they're going to do some crazy shit. Yeah. And uh, I mean, they're the kind of people that are going to say, yeah, we're doing research on water profiles. Mm-hmm. They just hired a, a full-time lab tech. Yeah, yeah. They're doing research on yeast, doing research on ge- different generations and how that works on beer. Mm-hmm. I just think, you know, and and not to mention the other crazy stuff like one of their brewers, Josh Chapman, who learned Cooperage on the side this year. I mean, I'd like to know yeah. some other breweries, like no offense to those other breweries, where right. like people are a full-time brewer and they're also learning like something that's a lifetime craft like Cooperage on the side. Other than that, though, I, I really think that there's this kind of aggressive, I guess is the adjective I would use, aggressive approach mm-hmm. 
to brewing, and if the result of that is that you know you have to talk to someone mm-hmm. and get a better sense of what each beer is, yeah, I think that's a trade off that's probably worth doing. I think that's important. I mean, if how many times have we all been at bars and seen people trying to, to digest a beer menu, and either the bartender doesn't have the time, yeah, or doesn't have the knowledge to explain that, right? And how many times have you jumped in and said, listen, mm-hmm. if you tend to drink this, right. then you'll probably like this. If you tend to like that, right. then you might like this a little bit more. That's not a problem. That's not an indictment on the bar or the beers that are being ordered. That's just that's a that's a piece of the education component right. of craft beer and the general education level of the craft of, of craft beer in the general population that yeah. needs to be filled in. And I think that's where I mean that's where Blue Jacket played it smart. They recognize that there is a place. There are enough you know beer nerd people out there to go and seek out all of these you know cool ship beers. They built a cool ship like. For ninety whatever five ninety nine percent of beer drinkers, mm-hmm. they won't care. The devoted few will come out for that, but they realize that you know cool ship beers. If you're putting that on, you know, in the mass market, that may not it's not really worth your effort. You could just brew an IPA and make it a lot cheaper and sell the hell out of it. So them having the ambition that they have to brew as many styles as they do, knowing that the best way to sell that is being able to control the way mm-hmm. that the beer is being served. I think it's a, it's a good fit and it matches. It's just it's just a, a different model than everybody else and that they they have really used to their advantage. I mean I mean to that point I think the reason that I selected them mm-hmm. is because they really walk that line between the growing number of beer experts in the city. Mhm. And the growing number of people who want to drink beer in the city. And I think now they're uniquely positioned to serve that both of those audiences in equal amount, mm-hmm. right? You're talking about a brewery that, like, we can go and drink open fermented beers and nerd out about yeast strains and whatever. Mm-hmm. But we're also talking about a brewery that, like, someone can come in and it's like, hey, I'm two hours early for the Nats game. I want to just pound, like, what's the lightest beer you have? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. I want to pound this 4% beer and then go to the NASCAR. In that case, yeah. though, it might be a kumquat gosa. So. Which <laughs> is delicious. Right. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Little, little no, yeah. It's, no, it's, it's actually, no, fantastic. It, and I couldn't include it in the article, actually, because it was brewed in <coughs> 2015. Ah. But, yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true. Absolutely. I mean, like, there, if you come in off the street and say you've had, you've only really, you know, your, your experience with craft beers, you've had some Sam in Brooklyn. Or even less. Yeah, mm-hmm. then you could be like, yeah, here's here's the beers, here's the beers that you'll recognize. <laughs> and I yeah. think I think the location that they're in is not independent of this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would I would actually argue that it's difficult for any brewer to open in that location that's so close, six months out of the year, to what is I'm gonna say uncultured beer drinkers which is not a bad thing you know I drink plenty of terrible beer myself because I love beer but there's a lot of there's a lot of wait you don't drink a lot of terrible beer you drink a lot of beer that other people would consider terrible that is actually good beer Let's 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 I be drink, careful about how we yeah. use the word terrible yeah, beer. Don't, don't don't just banquet in front of Bill. No 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 I I drink a lot of terrible beer as well. Natty Aaron light. has a secret life I don't Natty know. Natty Light, yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. All right, I thought I thought you were gonna go go all in on high life here, and I was about to get really upset. So no, why, okay. would I, why would I go all? I don't in know. I thought you were selling out on there, so I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to go with me all the time. There's gonna be a battle. So lesson to blue jacket: 
make a highlighted clone. Oh. Call it Flip Cup. <sighs> Please, it will be your number one seller. Best brewery for the next five years. <laughs> it could be the first DC beer collab. Come on, Greg, you can do it. I'm calling out to we'll, you right now. I'm sure we'll have Greg on this podcast yeah, at some point. Eventually. Directly ask him to make a highlight clone. But the point is, there are people who want to drink Miller Lite all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But Blue Jacket appeals to that audience as well as this audience in equal measure, which I, which is one of the many reasons that I chose them as best brewery. Well, let me let me thank you first for sending me this alley oop to to make this point. Right, I've I've said to folks for a long time that I think one of the most important craft beer bars in DC is Iron Horse Taproom, um, because the Iron Horse is large. It is right by the Verizon Center. It does a huge happy hour business. It does a huge business for athletic events and concerts related to Verizon. And it has a really strong commitment to putting on craft beer. Now, do they have macro beer there? Sure. Bush Light? Sure, they do have all that. But if you want to duck in there, the prices are such that you can experiment with craft beer without the investment being too much. A couple of years ago when Daniel Williams was the GM there for, I think it was either Saver Week or DC Beer Week, he flipped the prices, right? So that all the craft beer was was like Bud Light prices, was $4. And Bud Light was like 8 or 9 And it was all to encourage folks to try to get in on a craft beer. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of parallels here between Iron Horse and, and Blue Jacket, right? In terms of volume served and providing that gateway for, you know, if you like this, it might be a stretch, but here's four ounces of this, right? And a bartender or a server mm-hmm. can totally change someone's beer trajectory on that. Yeah, I mean, that's how many people have been converted mm-hmm. at both of those places. Exactly. I mean, mm-hmm. converted being, a, you know, a strong term, and it's not to say that we are the sanctified or something <laughs> like that. But, I mean, like, being turned on to craft beer. Again, there, you know, Church Key has a, a great place. And, you know, places like Meridian Pint, Pint have a great place because they serve all local beers. And somebody might say, like, oh, that's I know where that city is. I will try that beer. But getting people who might just be drinking beer mindlessly, you know, they drink beer because they are out and it is beer versus drinking beer because they like the way it tastes. That's, like... That is what those places are for. And I, I mean, yeah, singing the verses of Iron Horse and now Lost and Found. And, you know, that's, that's, we're definitely all for those kinds of places too. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I struggled with when I was writing the piece was, you know, I wanted to lead in with the fact that Greg and his team actually had a unique burden on them when they were opening this brewery, which is that, you know, people who open breweries for the most part aren't the proprietor of Turkey, right? They're well, not... Like ten other spots that and, all have and similar a, And a dozen other, you know, yeah. to go. Yeah. And, and Greg's basically run what is basically one of the most premier beer programs in the world, much less the United States. And the question is, great, they're going to open a brewery. How are they going to serve this... Like, how are they going to make the same beer that they serve mm-hmm. at a world-class level? And so that's a unique pressure, I think, for a lot of brewers. Um, and a lot of brewers have this benefit of anonymity, right? I don't know who these people are, so maybe they'll make great beer, maybe they won't. But, like, Greg and his team, you have to make great beer 
all the time. And from the start. Yeah. From the beginning. And it, right, and from day one. Right. right. So I think there was a lot of pressure there, and I think keeping in mind the time frame of things, right, the district as a whole is an incredibly young production brewery town. We've kind of had this rebirth. We're talking about, like, what, four or five four. years? This is, this is the four-year anniversary of DC Brown. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, let's, so let's, like, you know, kind of pull back and say, like, yeah. everything that we've said right now is based on, at most, four years of, of work, mm-hmm. uh, which to me is incredible, and I think the entire brewing scene is incredibly advanced for that young age. So part of this is that when you're making production level volumes, right, if your beer doesn't come out exactly the way that you want, and when you're so often putting out beers that you maybe have not done a test batch of necessarily, you have to run through that whole volume before you can either put something else on that might be better for consumers or before you get to rebrew that beer to fix whatever you think could improve it, right? So when when you're talking about Standards have to be really high from day one. If you if you're setting yourself up at a level where you have to run through a lot of product before you can improve on that, you're inviting some criticism. And actually, I talked to Greg about this, and you know he fully admits that at the start, incredibly ambitious scope, they were not able to do that. Right? Mm-hmm. They were not able to um, brew and rebrew at the same time. And if you're going to serve those two masters, which is to say I'm going to have a, a brewery that brews 20 different beers from the start, mm-hmm. that's something that takes time. Absolutely. But I think you look at now, I mean, Forbidden Plants has been batched 20 different times, and it keeps basically, in my opinion, getting better every single time. I mean, Lost Weekend's been done in batches. Every... This goes back to my point about there being, like, quote-unquote flagships now. Mm-hmm. It's a huge plus. Every flagship that they do is refined and refined mm-hmm. and refined and refined to the point where, like, it's an amazing beer that's just going to get more amazing. Yeah. Even now, especially that they're a year and a half in, they have things like hop contracts... They have a better understanding of their yeast generations. They have a better understanding of their brewing process. Everything like that is just going to keep getting better. So for to me, it's almost like I picked a brewery that did great work this year that I am 100% confident is going to do even better work next year. So you asked me a couple minutes ago, would I prefer if Blue Jacket was a beer that served 10 beers? So given what you just said about how the flagships have been refined and refined and refined and refined, they just keep getting better... My answer is probably yeah. If yeah. it was ten flagships and five rotating, mm. I yeah, I'd probably prefer that honestly to walk in and be able to get really good examples of those ten flagships, and then for those other five, know what I'm getting into that these maybe have not been brewed so many times. Mm. Yeah, I'd prefer that honestly. That's great. Well, so speaking of breweries uh, that have several flagships and some rotating beers. Let's talk a little bit about what Bill and Chris think are the best brewery in D.C. Chris, would you like to start? Sure. I suppose I probably should. Um, <laughs> Do you want some more whiskey before we start? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think this, you know, for me it comes down to how you define what the, the best breweries are. I mean, I should say love, love, love Blue Jacket. You know, some of the best beers are out of there. I haven't been down as often as I like, which is... To be honest, probably one of the reasons I couldn't name it as my favorite. I just have not had as much this year as I probably should have. 
I should say, full disclosure, I worked a couple of shifts, you know, a week um, at Right Proper um, for half the year, let's say. I don't even remember when I stopped, but from when they opened until I was there maybe eight months. I don't, I'm not exactly sure. But I love that brewery. I think that, you know, they, the, they're, Nathan has a really great, um, interesting house culture, like a house flavor um, that I just particularly tend to like I love the combination of that really late hop and the sort of lacto a little bit of brett in there just really bright effervescent often low alcohol beers I I just I think it's sort of unimpeachable some people sometimes say you put out so many different beers many of them taste somewhat similar Mm -hmm. um partly because maybe I mean for me personally even I'm not sure if I have the palate to be able to distinguish between the different strains of Brett and, mm-hmm. you know, this lactopedio combo. Right, right. and we, um, we, we talked about how I actually think distinguishing between um, different bacteria and different yeast strains is the hardest thing you can do mm-hmm. in brewing. Um, but absolutely. It's, I mean, it's subtle nuances, and I, but I, that's fine by me because even if the two beers are similar, I love that character. I was just there the other day and had... Um, Alice, which is um, brewed with kumquats and sage, mm-hmm. and man, that beer is like incredibly refreshing and interesting, but also not at all think PC. It was just like you know, you could you would say, oh, "It's amazing, this tastes so good," and then three sips, and all of a sudden I was it's done gone. with it. <laughs> like, um, and I like that, you know, I, I I really enjoy, and I really hope they continue to try and have one beer that's sort of on at all times that bucks that their general trend where there's a hexan on or a no depression mm-hmm. where it's really malty or low alcohol um yeah know. and it's it's amazing to me actually because uh right proper was the second brewery in line behind blue jacket this year i think they've done a tremendous job mm-hmm. and i see a lot of a tons of parallels between those two breweries mm-hmm. in terms of their approach um in terms of the beers that they make in terms of the nuance, mm-hmm. um, and in terms of, you know, value for yes. the common drinker, um, mm-hmm. I think is incredible in this environment, uh, especially in D.C. So, Yeah, and having spent time there, I know that they've done a really great job of appealing to non-craft, mm-hmm. you know, devotees. Yeah, God, and, they have to, because they're filing in every weekend. Yeah, it's constantly just swamped with people who, and, you know, you see people ordering, and they, they say... I don't know, and they'll have a raised by wolves because it's the hoppy beer, and it's a great hoppy beer, and it it's evolving, and I, you know, that that constantly changes, but I I like you know what they're doing. I I just trust that, you know, it's sort of somewhat contrary to Blue Jackets. I you know I go there, I know that like Lost Weekend is always there. It's sort of you know the North Star, whereas I go into Ray Proper, and I I'm not sure if every beer is like you know Nathan will play Nathan and Chris the brewers will play, um, and they you know. The same beer might not taste the same, but I will enjoy every iteration of it. Um, yeah, it absolutely reminds me of, you know, I, I live near Right Proper, and I've been going there since they opened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, they opened um, a couple of months after Blue Jacket in December of 2013. And um, I remember the first time I went in, or, you know, the first time I went in there and I said, uh, what happened to the Duke? You know, the Duke is off. Yeah. I love a great gold nail and uh, classic bulging gold nail and... They were just like, well, you know, we got a lot of stuff going on, and I was like, I'm gonna really enjoy this place because mm-hmm. they have that experimental yeah. um, thought process in terms of brewing beer. So, uh, absolutely. So, 
sort of the opposite end of the spectrum. Completely, I won't say averse, but not at all um, looking for innovation, but really for just nailing styles and consistency and across-the-board quality. Um, I think Port City is, uh, in a lot of ways, just doing everything right. Um, I don't look to them for a unique riff on something or um, you know really pushing the boundaries of what beer can be I think if I want a world class American porter or I mean Pela was it uh, essential, essential or monumental essential, essential, essential recently yeah. yeah like this a beer it's, you know people don't um, get that excited about it because there's so many on there if you open that beer that's a phenomenal beer I mean I, I downright Pilsner I drink more of that individual beer than Absolutely. almost any other in you know recent months it's just it's a phenomenal beer so I, mean, I think ways and means yeah ways and means I mean that's and that's like it's awesome to see that they're doing something that's slightly off the the beaten path of you know the pale ale porter you know Pilsner I mean this is like a session IPA mm-hmm. that is a you know a becoming increasingly more common but it hasn't been seen all that much and I think it's great that Port City angled in that direction because it's a fantastic beer and I again I trust if, a, if Port City makes a beer I know it's good if like if I go to any bar and I'm not sure and I'm kind of like open to drinking anything it's like okay Port City is safe it's like always great absolutely absolutely but I would say you know that's that's where uh, it comes down to where what your guidelines are is is uh, right proper and port city are very different beasts and your criteria for for this ultimate judgment is is what matters. All right, so Bill, what is your opinion on best brewery in the District of Columbia area, Maryland, Virginia, DC? So it's a tough question for me. I mean, I I obfuscate a lot, and so. <laughs> <laughs> I could I could talk myself honestly in or out of pretty much any of the DC production breweries or brew pubs getting best of maybe any is is a stretch but most most for for sure you could make an argument I I could make an argument right district there's brewing parity here yeah, yeah. Um, I mean if you look at Brow Brow was sort of the standard bearer in terms of you know they have that hometown populist messaging right. You know, they run a lot of events. They have the most name recognition. On at, on some level, that could be the best, right, in terms of the number who are connected to the brewery. You know, my gripe there is that they don't really have a beer that is super populous. Like, public in name, sure, but in terms of approachability, is a, is really tough for a lot of people to get into. You know, Port City, I have kind of the same... The same uh, concerns is Chris, right? They they are not who you're going to go to for something super innovative all the time, although the Colossal Series is pretty good every year. Except for that quad, which Bill loves. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> I still don't understand why they, they stoop to that level inside the brew a quadruple, but okay. It's delicious. But I mean, to go back to, you know, Essential or Monumental, I mean, these are these are great beers. You know, Three Stars, at, a, at the scale they're doing it at, is doing some really innovative beers for the production side in terms of their willingness to mix it up and put out mm-hmm. blends, that is something that is unique to the district. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some of their best beers have come out that way. Desolation, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Well, we had that on the first podcast. We were drinking the uh, holiday beer, the Illuminati. Mm-hmm. The Illuminati. The yeah. Mat- Madness blend. You know, I don't know. I, 
I, when, you, when I came into this question, I really wanted to say that if I were you, if I had been writing it, I wouldn't have awarded it last year for 2014. Not because there wasn't great beer in D.C. last year, but because there wasn't someone who, for me, was doing it so much better than the others that it... it deserve to be the best head and shoulders above everything else, right? Like, I love Right Proper. I spent a lot of time there in the past year. I have some trouble in differentiation of the styles, but the atmosphere of the bar is phenomenal, right? The food is phenomenal. And so how can, can I really divorce that from how I think about the beers? I probably can, but that's not something that you factor into production brewery either. So there's all these kind of, like, variables in here. If I look at where I spent my time and my money... And if I think about the beers that really made me stop and say, wow, I want to have a million more of these, or where I threatened bartenders or brewers to say, hey, if you don't make this again, I'm going to be really fucking pissed, then my answer for best brewery is Blue Jacket, honestly. But we already talked about this a fair amount. I do factor in the beers that I had that were just like, I would never order this again. I don't really get why it came out. Not that it was even... A flawed beer, but just, but just that it it was just, eh, so just forgettable, you know. Um, I'm still reluctant to say that Blue Jacket was the best brew of 2014 because when we go, I mean, we've been going in the off season now, but that's right there. Even now, when we go, there's too many fucking people there. So by the time baseball season starts up, by the time you all are hearing this, I mean, I don't want to have to fight through a sea of bodies to get to the beers that I love. I really don't. You know, I, I mean, I want to tell you to like, I mean, not that they're not making great beer, but like go to Gordon Beers or I don't know, like drink a six pack in your car or something like just stay with Blue Jacket so I can have Lost Weekend all that I want. You know, um, I mean, I have to balance from, from, the, from the, the, the public side, right? I really do want more people to enjoy craft beer. That's why we run DC Beer, you know, to get the word out there. Selfishly, I also, you know want to be able to walk in and grab a bar stool whenever I want at every bar that I want to. Mm-hmm. I know that's not going to happen. So it's a mixed bag. It, I mean, like I said, if, if, if you put a gun to my head, I would say that Blue Jacket was the best brewery. And I don't want to disparage what the team there is doing at all. I mean, between Lost Weekend, Twit, and Forbidden Planet, if those were the only three beers that you did last year, that would have been a tremendous body of work for DC breweries. The fact that you added, for Christ's sake, like a hundred other beers to that, right? Of which many were also delicious. I mean, that's that's icing. For everyone out there listening, if you'd like to go and experience these beers, I really do encourage you to do so. But if you could email me, it's bill at dcbeer.com and just let me know before you're going to go so I know not to go, I'd really appreciate it. Bill hates all of you. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, lovingly, the loving Bill. So last question for this podcast. Oh, this is going to be a tough one. I'm going to restrict you to three words, one word answers. Oh wow! <clears throat> oh, best brewery of 2015. Seeing as how we are three to four months into 2015, and I'll go ahead and start to take the pressure off you guys, and I'm going to steal your answer, which is that Atlas will be the best brewery of 2015. Bill? I'm going to say Blue Jacket. Going to go with Blue Jacket again, all right? Chris? Well, uh, with, you only give me one <laughs> word. Sorry. You, wait, you give me one no. word. 
I gotta go. Uh, I mean, I could I could make a case for other breweries with more than one word, but if you're gonna put a gun on my head, I would yep. say Jack. One one brewery, Chris. Right, proper production facility. It's two words. It's... So the right brewing company <laughs> is the one. Right, that proper. You can pick. So right, you've proper. got Atlas, Blue Jacket, Right, Proper. Yep. Guys, thanks for coming on and talking about this with me, Chris. <laughs> yeah, thanks a bunch. Always a pleasure, Bill. It's been a good time. See you, at Blue Jacket. I'm sure. Uh, please email Bill and let him know when you're going to Blue Jacket so that we can all drink together without Bill. <laughs> Cheers, all. Have a great one.